Well, good morning. I usually get to do that right at the beginning of the worship service, and this is just weird. I said to Ralph in the back, so so we have one of our kids at home sick, and Kirsten was leading today, and I'm doing this, so we're trying to do all this, and and so it's kind of a little bit maybe romantic. Kirsten and I put our lights at each other when we cross paths on the way. Um, So that's not not the ideal way to do marriage, but uh, but it's working. So... um, yeah, a couple of announcements before before we just get into the message this morning. Uh, by the way, just welcome. Uh, good to be together. And, and I miss. Uh, so, so just, I mean, I'm glad this isn't my normal, like I just walk in, preach a message, and then that's it. Um, the, the, the joy of gathering together as a church has a lot to do with gathering together for all the things that we do. So we pray together, we sing together, and, and I miss out on that. I did... I was at this uh, conference with a bunch of pastors a few weeks ago, and I did this one seminar, and, and the guy at the seminar was a pastor at this big mega church. And so on a Sunday morning, he would preach five times, and he commented, he said, it's been so good to be at this conference, I never sing. Like, he, he, he's, got a, he's got a couple, two or three different locations that he's preaching at on a Sunday morning. And so they've got it all orchestrated, so he's never in on singing. He's just driving and going from spot to spot to preach, and that's all he does. And, and, and I, man, I'd miss out on that. I love just being together with God's people, not just because I like to preach, but because it's good to hear our voices just singing together. So, uh, so anyway, I um, hope that was good for the rest of you. Um, but uh, a couple of announcements. So Operation Christmas Child, as you can see, uh, we have collected a lot. Uh, so thank you for your work in, in figuring out ways to connect with, serve, and love uh, kids in other places. That it, the, the gifts are going to be great, and then the opportunities for the gospel of Jesus Christ to be advanced in some way are even greater. So thank you for your work in doing that. And if uh, though, th- today was the last day, so um, so we didn't get in on that. We'll do it again next year, um, and uh, so so that's that. Um, also, uh, just there's notes in the bulletin. If you're uh, good at decorating, show up on Saturday morning. Um, some people I think would like some help with that. Just try and make this building look a little more um, Christmassy as we get ready for that season. You didn't maybe notice there was a wall missing uh, when you came in this morning. There's just there are little things that are happening to try and kind of make this, this space a little more welcoming. So the landscaping, you walk through mud a little bit uh, to get in here this morning. And then a, lo- a wall is missing out there as of yesterday morning uh, to just open things up a bit. So thank you for everybody uh, doing the little things that you do uh, to serve this body. We are uh, going to be looking into God's Word. That's what we do as a church. We open up on a Sunday morning God's Word. Um, and, and we want to be totally rooted and grounded in that so that that molds everything else that we do as a church, right? And so, and, and we do that because we believe that it, it it's in God's Word that He speaks to us. Uh, I think you were singing a song before I got here uh, that was called Speak, O Lord, right? So, so speak, O, like we want to hear God speak, and it might not come in some little whisper or some dream, but we know for sure that it will come as we open up God's Word and we read it. So we do that together every morning. And we've been working our way through the Gospel of Mark. Today is the last Sunday for a while, in which we'll be in Mark's Gospel. We're going to finish up chapter 13, then we're going to take a break. Uh, 
while well, we do uh, the book of Habakkuk leading up to Christmas to kind of prepare for Christmas, and then we're going to do a five-week-ish series on prayer at the beginning of the year starting in January, and then we'll get back into Mark, finish up the last three chapters, and end on, on Easter Sunday. So uh, that's the plan for Mark, but um, I'm just going to pray, and, uh, and, then, and then we'll get right into this this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for this church. Thank you uh, that we can gather together uh, for all sorts of different purposes. We can encourage, build each other up, just have fellowship with each other. Uh, we can sing together, lift up your name, lift up our prayers, our hearts in prayer together. So many things, but God, right now our focus, we want it to be on hearing what you have to say. So God, I pray that you'd help as I preach, help me to say words that clearly communicate what you are trying to clearly communicate to us. And it's a difficult passage to, to totally understand. There's, there's some things that are hard, and so, so help us, uh, give us minds that are alert so that we may understand these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Maybe, uh, maybe there's others who are with me on this uh, in here this morning. You are the kind of person that sleeps deeply. Like when it's time for sleeping, you're sleeping. And sleeping hard, and so you're pretty oblivious to everything going on around you. Uh, there are many times when Kirsten will tell me during the morning, in the morning, of something that happened that night while I was asleep that I was totally unaware of. Um, that happens pretty frequently. A few nights ago, I was going to be the one to get up if anything would happen, and one of our kids had a bad dream and started screaming in the middle of the night. Now I was awakened enough to realize that I needed to do something, so, so, but, but I was not awake enough to, to really have any idea of anything, and so I was in my own bedroom, but I couldn't find the way out. I couldn't find, I couldn't find the door. Like, I got to go because there's somebody screaming, and, and I couldn't find the door, and, I, and I, I remember saying to Kirsten, like, I don't know where I am, and, uh, and eventually I found my way to the door and went and helped the, the kid who was having the bad dream, but the truth is, when we're asleep, we're mostly oblivious to what's going on around us. And we need that time physically, where we're just totally disengaged from everything else, and our body's just resting. But spiritually speaking, being asleep is a dangerous kind of thing. And so you'll notice that the, the title of today's message is, Stay Awake. We've been going through Mark chapter 13. It's been challenging. It's been really good. But it's been challenging as well. Last week, we looked specifically at this time that Jesus said is coming, a time of great tribulation that will come before he returns. And so, so we, were, we, were, we were pressed to think about that. Um, we also saw in chapter 13 that it seems that sometimes he's talking about things that were going to happen in the lifetimes of the disciples. And so that's part of what makes this chapter really confusing. Sometimes he's talking about stuff that was going to happen and now has already happened. And then sometimes he's talking about stuff that hasn't even happened yet. And so we're trying to understand what Jesus is trying to communicate in this passage. But all of this is taking place during the last week of Jesus' life. So this is the, uh, on earth. Um, so, so this is the week in which Jesus will die. And he's sitting on the Mount of Olives with his disciples just outside of Jerusalem. They have a view of the temple in front of them. And he's telling them, much about the future, some about the short-term future, and lots about the long-term future. And so that's where we've been as we've been going through Mark chapter 13. 
The message last week really was be on guard. And then this week, the message is almost very similar, a similar command, and that is the command to stay awake. Stay awake. Here's the big idea for today. And again, we have in the bulletin a a, uh, sermon notes page and life group discussion guide. I I called it a life group discussion guide, not thinking ahead that that all of our life groups are taking a break during the month of December. Um, So this is more just like a personal application guide this week. Um, But you'll notice uh, that there is an outline be helpful for you to follow along and take notes. Here's the big idea today, though. We don't know when the tribulation and the second coming of Jesus will occur, so we must always stay watchfully awake. The truth is, when we get really comfortable, it's easy to drift off to sleep, right? And you might even experience that this week as you eat a big meal for Thanksgiving we make it feel like it's a workout. So like we get done eating a big meal, like, oh, man, I need a nap. All we did was eat, right? But, but something about eating a lot and getting really comfortable seems to lead towards, I'm going to take a nap. I really feel like taking a nap right now. Uh, but one thing you'll notice about, if, if you kind of just follow, like, people that write songs and that kind of thing, we don't have a lot of songs. When the worship team was asking, what song should we sing as we talk about the second coming of Jesus? We don't talk about that all the time, but that's in Mark 13, so that's what we're talking about. We don't have a lot of songs that talk very much about that. There, there's, there's, there's certainly some, um, but it's challenging to find a lot of songs. And I think part of the reason is when we get really comfortable, which if, we, if we're honest— Life in 21st century America is pretty comfortable. It's easy to just forget about that, to forget about the fact that there is a great time of tribulation coming, and it's easy to forget about the fact that Jesus is coming again because we're pretty comfortable, and even spiritually speaking, we can sometimes drift off to sleep and just take a nap. And so today, I want to warn us and say we need to be careful. We need to be careful that we would stay awake because that's what I think Jesus is saying here. In Mark chapter 13. So if you're able to, would you please stand as we read God's word this morning? From Mark chapter 13, I'll start in verse 28 and we'll go to the end of the chapter. This is God's word. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer's near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It's like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. You can be seated. We'll look first, and we'll just kind of go through this passage in order today. And so we'll look first, and we're going to look at a few other passages at the end as well. Um, But we're going to look first, kind of the big question at the beginning is, when again? When is this going to happen? 
And the main message of verses 28 to 30 that I just read to you just seems to be Jesus saying, these things are going to happen. When, when these things start to happen, then you'll know that I am very near. Okay? When these things start to happen. So the question then is, when he says these things, what's he talking about? And that gets really important as we look at verse 30. Because verse 30 is really hard to understand. Let's look at verse 30 really quick. Verse 28 and 29 are just this, this illustration. Okay, like a fig tree starts to get leaves, then you know summer's coming. Same thing, when all these things happen, then you know Jesus is coming. But verse 30 says this, Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. What's that all about? Isn't that a little bit hard to understand that Jesus is sitting here with his disciples talking to them, saying when all... Not, well, what is he, I don't want to misquote him. Verse 30 says, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. So the big questions to answer are, who is this generation and what are these things? What's he talking about here? So some people would say that these things refers to the things he talked about at the beginning of the chapter. And if you remember at the beginning of the chapter, he was mainly talking about these things being the things that would happen before the temple got destroyed in 70 A.D. Okay, So in that case, these things, he's talking about this generation, the disciples, their generation would still be around when that happened. And that was true. So in 70 A.D., the generation of the disciples, still around, right at the end of that generation, really. So that could be. But it seems more likely, because what Jesus has been talking about most recently in chapter 13, is he's been talking about this coming time of tribulation and his second coming. And so then it gets really hard to understand verse 30, doesn't it? If Jesus is saying, this generation will not pass away until all of these things have taken place, all of these things leading up to the coming, second coming of Jesus, what's he talking about then? And I had a hard time understanding this, uh, and then studied a little bit more and, and found this. That when Jesus is saying in verse 30, this generation, it seems most likely that he's talking about the fact that the generation that is there at the beginning of when all these things happen will still be around when Jesus comes back. So so he's been talking about this coming time of tribulation. Let me, let me explain it a little bit better. He's been talking about this coming time of tribulation. And so when he, and that's maybe the these things that he's talking about. So in verse 30, when it says, Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. He, he laid out a number of things that are going to happen during this time of tribulation. And when he says, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place, he's just pointing out the fact that this time of tribulation will be limited. It will be severe. It will be horrible, according to verse 19 that we looked at last week. But it will also be according to verse 20. You remember what verse 20 said? That for the sake of the elect, he shortens those days. Okay, So there's going to be a limited amount of time of this time of tribulation. It's not going to go on forever. And so Jesus might be just saying here in verse 30, listen, this generation that's there when it all starts, they're still going to be there um, when, when all these things have taken place. Okay, So verse 30, hard verse to understand. Um, 
A couple of different ways that you could look at it. It's God's Word. It's true. Um, and the problem isn't with God. The problem is with us trying to understand it with our limited minds sometimes, right? All right. So what I don't want us to do, though, what I don't want us to do is get so caught up in little things like that. Like, well, what, does he, what does he mean when he says this generation? We get so caught up that we miss big things like verse 31. Look at verse 31. Verse 31 says this. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. You hear what Jesus just said there? Heaven and earth, things as expansive and and seemingly permanent like heavens and earth. He's saying those things, even those things that seem so permanent, so big, so indestructible, those things will pass away. But there's one thing that will not pass away according to Jesus, and that is his own words. This claim that Jesus is making, again, remember much of the purpose of Mark's gospel is that we would understand who Jesus really is. Jesus is communicating something about who he is here. Jesus is communicating that he, in fact, is God. He's eternal. He's not just a man who will die here in a few days. He is eternal, the eternal Son of God. Why? Why does he say? Well, he says, my words will never pass away. Listen to what it says in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8 says this, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. So when Jesus is saying, my words will stand forever, that's as good as him saying, my words are God's words. When Jesus says, my words will stand forever, According to Isaiah, the only words that are going to stand forever are God's words. So when Jesus says, my words are going to stand forever, that's Jesus saying, I'm God. This is a bold statement here by Jesus in verse 31. But I want to move on to the second point. Um, The second point is this. You don't know when, so stay awake. You don't know when, so stay awake. Um, The questions in the disciples' minds are at least certainly, when is the temple going to be destroyed? Because Jesus told them it was going to happen. They're wondering, when is that going to happen? But now he starts talking about this other stuff, this tribulation and the second coming of the Son of Man. So he's talking about these things. Now they're probably also wondering, okay, so when's that going to happen? And we know now when the temple was destroyed, so we don't really have that question, but we come with this question, okay, when is this going to happen? When is the tribulation coming? When is Jesus coming again? We want to know. And so, we get to verse 32, and here's what it says. Verse 32, But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So the first thing you'll know is notice is that we don't know. The answer to the question, when? We don't know. It says it in verse 32. You don't know. Look ahead just a little bit. Look in verse 33. It says it again there. You do not know. Look in verse 35. It says it again there. You do not know. Okay? The idea is you do not know. Okay? Very very clear. Like you're wondering when. uh, Jesus is making it very clear. You don't know. Okay? Interesting thing, though, if you're looking at verse 32, is that Jesus also says, I don't know. Is it? I mean, did you see that in verse 32? Concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Now, of course, Jesus could know. 
right? I mean, Jesus is God. He could know whatever it is that he wants to know. But we do see time and time again in Scripture, Jesus willingly submitting himself to the Father. And that's what he's doing here. He's just saying, listen, Father, I totally trust you with the timing of this. I'm, t- I'm trusting you, Father, with the time. Like, you tell me when to go and I will go. And I think Jesus is an example for us in that, that we don't know. Jesus doesn't know, but he totally trusts the Father with the timing. The Father's going to send Jesus at just the right time, right? We know that. We can, we can hold on to that. So we don't know. How do we respond to our lack of knowledge, though? So like, okay, so we don't know. End of sermon. I mean, what kind of sermon is that, right? Like, hey, you guys don't know. See ya. Uh, so what? How do we respond to our lack of knowledge? Do we need to study more? And, then, and if we study more, then will we know? Do we need to, like, check out the billboards of that one dude that put up billboards and told, told this is going to happen? Like, what are, we, what are we supposed to do? We don't know. So what? Do we just pretend like it's never going to happen? Well, we don't know, so let's just live like it's never going to happen. Well, we can't do that because we know for sure that it's going to happen. So we can't live like it's never going to happen. Are there any commands here for us? Let's look at this passage. Look at verse 33. Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. So a couple of commands there. Be on guard, which we saw in verse 23 as well, and keep awake. And then we're going to see another command show up three times, and that is the command that I took the, the sermon title for, and that is the command to stay awake. We see that command in verse 34, 35, and 37. Okay? command is stay awake. Now, your translation might have a different word. It's a, the, the Greek word uh, that gets translated in, in the ESV as stay awake, which is a good translation. The Greek word is gregoreo, which, I mean, just interestingly, if your name's Gregory, that's where that word comes from. It means staying awake or being watchful or being alert. So your translation might have a different word there for stay awake. Being watchful, being alert, staying awake all really mean the same thing, trying to translate that one word. But it shows up three times, verses 34, 35, and 37 in this passage. So it's very clear that, that Jesus' command is in light of the fact that Jesus is coming, a time of tribulation is coming, and we don't know when it is, therefore, stay awake. Okay, that's, that's the clear command that we get from here. And so he gives an illustration in verses 34 to 36 talking about the fact that if a master goes on a journey and you're one of the employees, you need to keep working because you don't know when he's going to show up. I used to work for a while, uh, third shift uh, at the front desk of a hotel. And so I needed to work hard because I wanted to sleep because it was the time of day when you're supposed to sleep uh, to stay awake while I was in that job. Now, I never really had the threat of, the manager coming because they were sleeping during that time. But there were times, so there were times because I knew that, well, I know the manager isn't coming. Therefore, I would kind of, there's this desk that was behind the desk that people couldn't see if they walked in. And I could hear the door ding if people walked in. And nothing much happened in a town of 5,000 people at a hotel overnight. And so I would kind of like do this thing on the desk. And just kind of drift off. Like I wouldn't, I mean, I didn't like open up a room and go sleep in there. But I just kind of drifted off on the desk for a little bit. Because I wasn't very concerned that my manager would ever come. 
But if I knew that regularly, the, and I didn't know when, but the manager was going to come, I might be, work a little bit harder at staying awake, right? And so Jesus uses that illustration. If a master goes away, you're going to stay awake. If he tells you, hey, get to work and stay awake, that's what I expect you to do while I'm gone, then you're going to do it. So just, just a quick question. What keeps you awake? If the command is staying awake, we, we think about, I was, I was just thinking about this as I was preparing. What are some things that cause us to stay awake? I remember when I was in high school, we had a curfew, a time in which my parents wanted us to be home. Now, when it was later than my parents' bedtime, my dad had no problem going to sleep whatsoever. But my mom, until all the kids are home, my mom would stay awake, right? Other times that I remember things keeping me awake, I remember back uh, in, the, in the 2000 election when we didn't know if it was going to be George W. Bush or Al Gore to be the president. I stayed awake to see if we could find out the results of that election, right? Wanted to stay awake and find that out. Uh, also, speaking of Al Gore, before we had the Internet, um, we, we <laughs> joke, uh, um, be, before we had the Internet and we could just, like, check the weather whenever we wanted, you remember you used to have to, like, stay awake to watch the weather on the news, and the forecaster would tell you what the weather was going to be. So my, my mom would often, that was her goal, like, I'm going to stay awake long enough to watch the weather, and then I can go to bed. And Dad wanted to stay a few more minutes and watch the sports and then go to bed, right? So there are things that, that do just kind of naturally keep us awake. But with those things that I just mentioned, if we didn't stay awake for those, nothing would really change, right? Like if my mom would have gone to bed like my dad did, I was a good kid. I still would have come home at curfew time, right? And, and, and by me staying awake, I didn't make George W. Bush president by staying awake to see what would happen, right? And, and even if my mom fell asleep before the weather forecast took place, weather would still happen the next day, right? So, so there's, there's things where we, we try and stay awake, but it's not really all that necessary. But then there's other things in life. Other times when we know that it is vitally important that we stay awake, driving, would be one of those things, right? That, that we need to take driving seriously. When we're driving, we'll do whatever it takes. If we need to drink caffeine to keep us awake, if we need to get up and walk around the car, like after the car stopped, not like while we're, um, you know, walking around the car, or, or maybe, maybe it's, uh, I mean, some people just like slapping yourself in the face, chewing sunflower seeds, whatever, whatever you need to do, you do something to stay awake because we know that it's dangerous to fall asleep when driving. I just read a story of just October 18th, so just a little over a month ago, there's a man in Connecticut, 32-year-old man, driving, fell asleep at the wheel, veered off a little bit, and there was a married couple whose truck had stalled. They were standing next to it. He ran into them, and the wife died at the hospital later. And so it reminds us of this reality that as, as we're doing some things, it is vitally important that we stay awake, and driving would be one of those things. Right, And then we get to this passage here. We get to this passage here, and we are commanded by Jesus to stay awake. And this is not just to stay awake because the weather is going to be on soon, or a stay awake to see what the election results are. This is a stay awake that's even more important than it is to stay awake when we're driving. This is a very clear and important command that we must stay awake. Now, I just got to point this out because there's kids here today. Kids, 
I don't want you to, this is, this is not a literal command from Jesus that you need to stay awake. So when your mom and dad tell you to go to bed tonight, you cannot say like, hey, Jesus said to stay awake, right? Uh, we, we cannot physically stay awake until the second coming of Jesus. When it's bedtime, it's bedtime. Got it? All right, thank you. Elise has given me the thumbs up. All right, when it's bedtime, it's bedtime. So the command isn't physically stay awake. The command is spiritually stay awake, stay alert, be watchful. And as I was looking at this, though, looking for other commands in here, like what are we supposed to be doing while we stay awake? Um, When we're staying awake in order to drive, we're doing some things. and, And the reason we need to stay awake is because we're driving. So when Jesus says here, stay awake, what are we staying awake for? What do we need to be doing while we stay awake? And this is going to be the last point of the sermon. So go ahead and look in your sermon outline. I left some blanks for you to fill in here because we're going to go through this part relatively quickly. But it says there, stay awake. And one of the reasons that we need to stay awake, there's actually three in a row, that part of the reason that we're called to stay awake is because we live in the presence of an enemy. Okay? The only commands in this passage are stay awake, but it doesn't tell us anything else. So I just looked for other spots that that word Gregoreo showed up in the New Testament and wanted to see where else are we called to stay awake and why? And what are we supposed to be doing while we're awake? So that's what we're going to look at very quickly here in this last point. So the first one, go ahead and, and maybe you can turn in your Bible just a couple of pages to Mark chapter 14, verse 38. We'll get to this in a few months. But in Mark 14, 38... The command is to stay awake. And really, I kind of summarized it as watch and pray because our enemy, the flesh, is in us. All right. Let's go ahead and uh, look at Mark 14, verse 38. Here's what it says. Mark 14, 38. Watch and pray. That word watch is that word gregoreo, the same one that's stay awake in this passage. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing but the flesh is weak. So Jesus is making this command to his disciples, listen, you need to stay awake. And the reason you need to stay awake right now is because you have a flesh. You've got this enemy, and it's not an enemy out there somewhere. It's an enemy living inside of you, and that is weak. You're going to very, very easily fall into temptation. That's true, isn't it, about us? That it's so easy to fall into temptation. So one of the reasons that we have to stay awake is because it's very easy for us in our sinful flesh to fall asleep. So we've got an enemy that's in us. Therefore, we must stay awake and pray. The next one, go ahead and turn if you'd like, otherwise it's going to be on the screen as well, is 1 Peter 5.8. And the point here is this, watch and be sober because we have another enemy. The only, we don't have just one enemy living inside of us, the flesh. We've got an enemy outside of us, the devil, Right? So we have an enemy that's hungrily prowling. That's how you could fill in that blank. We have an enemy that's hungrily prowling. 1 Peter 5, 8. 1 Peter 5, 8 says this. Be sober-minded and be watchful. There's that word again. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. This is true. That we have an enemy that's not just in us, but we have an enemy, the devil, who is prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Therefore, we must stay awake and alert and watchful. 
And then one more. It's not the only enemy we have. The church in Corinth um, was a mess in many ways. And the main, the main reason the church in Corinth was a mess is that people were allowing themselves to be influenced more by the world than by the word. Okay? And, and so Paul writes this letter to the church in Corinth trying to correct them. And then at the end of that letter, the first one, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13, he writes this. He tells them about another enemy. It's the world. It's the one that's all around us. And he tells them, in light of that world that you are so prone to follow, church in Corinth, here's a final command. There's four, right, in one verse. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. So we've got an enemy. And part of the reason that we're commanded by Jesus to stay awake is that enemy is threefold. There's the enemy inside of us, our sinful flesh, the the enemy out here, the devil, and there is the enemy of the world, all of which are seeking our destruction in some way. And so we must stay awake. Like soldiers in a time of war, we must be constantly alert. And then there's one more, and this is a fitting one. Kind of interesting that, that this is one of the times in Scripture where we see this word, and it happens to be that we're here on Thanksgiving, and this is what I'll close with this morning. And that is Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. You can go ahead and turn there if you'd like. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, God's Word says this. Watch and pray and give thanks. Here's what it says. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. So we need to be spiritually awake and alert because of the fact that there is an enemy. That's one of the reasons. But we don't just need to have our our spiritual eyes wide open because there's an enemy. We need to have our spiritual eyes wide open because there's a God. There's a God who's greater than that enemy, and He is constantly at work in a number of different ways. And we need to have eyes to see that. And when we have eyes to see that, we'll continue in prayer watchfully with thanksgiving. Because we will see all sorts of ways in which our God is at work all around us. Yes, there's an enemy at work all around us. And yes, we ought to be watchful, but also keep your eyes open for God's work that is happening all around us. That in so many ways, we see God at work, and that ought to cause us to respond with all sorts of thanksgiving. If we're really spiritually awake, we're going to see God at work, and we will respond with thanks be to God. As you get around maybe a table sometime this week with family, and you share with them, here are some things that I'm thankful for. That time should be able to go on long after the turkey gets cold, right? If you do that before the meal and you actually started to just list off all of the things for which you have to be thankful, if you have spiritually awake, open kind of eyes, you're going to be able to list thing after thing after thing after thing saying, I've seen God at work in all sorts of different ways. I have so much for which to be thankful it's important to stay awake. There are other things, lots of other spots in Scripture that talk about this that would be really helpful to go through. encourage you to do that on your own. It's in that guide um, as you go through uh, this next week. The truth is, though, sometimes we're tired and we just want to sleep. And sometimes life is either one of two things. It's either too monotonous or it's too busy. And both of those things 
fuel this kind of ignorance about the truth that Jesus is coming again. Because it's just too much every day, this is just what I do, life is too monotonous, or I'm just too crazy busy that I don't even know what's going on half the time. And so both of those things can cause us to just kind of drift off to sleep and not be watchful. But may we not be people that forget that this day really is coming. And again, we don't know when, but we keep our eyes open because we know and trust that it is coming. So don't go to sleep. And so we're going to close with with singing a song. And and, and some of the words in that song are, Filled with wonder, awestruck wonder at the mention of his name. It just seemed like, Riley actually sang it for us last week, but we're going to sing it all together because it seems like a fitting song to close this time of being in Mark chapter 13. But that's the kind of people that I want us to be. The people that as we wait for the coming of Jesus, we are people that are just regularly filled with wonder, awestruck wonder at even just the mention of Jesus' name. We long for him to come again where he makes things new. We long for that to come, and it will come. And we must, as we wait for it, stay awake. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you that in the midst of it, it's so, so, so easy to just shrug that off or not even think about it. Just thinking of my own life in this past week and all the things. If I wasn't forced to get this message ready, I wouldn't have thought much about Jesus coming again. So God, help us to more often remember that, that, that what is right in front of us is not all there is. That there is certainly an enemy that's prowling around seeking to devour. Help us to be alert because of that. But there is also one who is more powerful than that enemy, the coming Son of Man who will come on the clouds with great power and glory, the one who right now has, 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 has ascended into heaven and is being worshipped on His throne. He is eternally worthy of worship. And so there are angels and saints crying out right now, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And so, God, as we sing that song that we've sung before, help it not to be just words that we've sung before, but I pray that it would be a prayer of longing, and that it would be a song of of worship, of expressing our heart's real feeling that we long to worship this King, this Lamb who was slain, who is holy. So fill our hearts now as we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.